When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Clear the nose and soothe the throat with Vicks Vapor Drops 24-pack. Now only $3.99 at Chemist Warehouse. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ Tuesday, 18th of October, and the team is back. You got Louis uh, hiking his way back from the Everest. Welcome home, my friend. You got Kempi up there in the studio. You got Joe in the back room. You got Neeps, and you got Aroha. Morena to you, team. Hello, Kempi. How you doing, brother? Morena, brother. Man, I'll tell you what, the weather up here in Tamaki is really weird. I walk out this morning, it's raining, cold, misty, um, you know, we're meant to be heading into these, these warmer months. I always think about the end of the, the grand final in rugby league is when the, when the seasons really change and we start to get really warm, warm weather and walked out this morning and went, I swear it's the middle of winter, you know? <laughs> but it's, honestly, the weather patterns at the moment are so crazy, but I will say one thing, just let the rain drop for another month for me. Oh <laughs> no, Kim! Because we no. are, we're going to spell the jam, but we want to spell them in about a month. So let the oh. rain keep coming, 
I can't be moaning about it in the morning because when I and the other, that was the other thing in my mind when I walked out I went yeah two weeks time I want to walk out and it's raining I'll be happy as <laughs> <laughs> oh Kempi cheers I love your little weather updates Jim Hickey I love it every morning you come through with your little weather updates you sound like Bull Sharrick <laughs> mate he used to call me that areas of Jim Hickey <laughs> yeah because being a surfing what's the weather going to do I'd say oh it's probably nor'wester today blowing at 14 knots you know because you're looking at the yeah. surf report all the time and go here he is old Jim Hickey Jim Hickey's a Taranaki boy eh is he? Yeah, Jim, Jim Hickey's a Taranaki yeah, boy, nice. mate. Did you not know that? Well, there you go. It's all meant to be then, mate. You're Jim Hickey, you're Tony <laughs> Kemp, you are the weatherman. Just if ask me. If you want the weather to pour and rain for just ask me. <laughs> so if it does continue to rain for the last, next two weeks, blame Kempy. Blame Kempy. Rain, baby. Yeah, Jim. Let it rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty horrible down here too, Kempy. There's, I can't even see out the window. It's oh, there you foggy go. as anything. Crazy. Crazy weather. And yesterday I was talking to my um, oh, Mandy about it as well, and she was saying, it's been the coldest spring ever. It's meant to be hot and, and um, you know, beautiful weather, but, man, it's been horrible. Yeah. Been horrible down here. Well, Louis come it's back been with a couple of good Louis days. come back with a bit of a tan. Yeah. S- sitting that. on Bondi Beach, enjoying the sun. He's not, yeah, not saw, cold over in I Aussie. The, I saw the lads uh, sitting in the pub and, you know, having a wee punt, and I said, where's that cat, Louis? Oh, he's gone to the he's gone skiing and gone to the beach and gone to get some rays and have a tan. I said, Oh, isn't that cute? Louie, morning to you. Actually, speaking of Bondi, I see this bloke just come up on TV here. Morning lads, Ned Brockman. He ran oh, from he, he's run from Perth to Bondi. He's raised one point four eight five million dollars for homelessness Un- in Australia. Unbelievable. He's a twenty three year old trade and he just arrived at Bondi yesterday to a huge reception. That is doing something for for other people. Like that Perth is incredible. To Bondi, Perth to Bondi. How yeah. long did that take him? Month, uh, about a month. 40, 45 days. Yeah, over a month. Forty five yeah, days. Hundred k a day, forty five days, and he just ran. He's not even a runner. I was reading this stuff. He's not even a runner. Just went and wanted to do something for homelessness. Homelessness, and he raised one point four eight million. Ran. It's like it's like Forrest Gump, you know, and just kept Keep running. Going. He's got long blonde locks, and everyone just rallied behind him. But that is mind blowing. I'll make you, a movie. If you think about it, hundred k a day through the middle of nowhere. You know, imagine the snakes he would have seen on the road. What about the just, heat? Well, he, oh. His lips are chapped. He had freckles, like he was broken. His feet were cooked. He had a big support network, and it's <laughs> it's pretty incredible. And he made it to Bondi saying. He's picked up momentum along the way, like he's and yeah. now he's he's got to Bondi and yeah. I tell you what, they Sydney hadn't had good weather. I want to talk nah. about it a bit later on the Everest and what the Everest as a race and a sporting as a day represents and the connection it now has with Sydney. And to think that this wasn't a race ten years ago, but they hadn't had rain and they hadn't had good weather in Sydney for pretty much since March. And I've turned up there, and I'm like, it's like 25 degrees and hot. Like I'm off to the beach. Like how good's this? Like <laughs> could could not believe it. It was awesome. So, no, it was um, it was an awesome weekend. But I tell you what, this morning was early. Or oh. <laughs> <laughs> welcome home, brother. Welcome home. Oh, I feel I like I feel like I know what it's like to be Izzy now, <laughs> drying out <laughs> after a big when you got back from Sydney. I'm just like. Oh. 
It's not good, is it, Louis? The time not, zone coming back. Good. It's just like <laughs> you lose time. Because it's so fast. You live in that fast life over in Sydney and everything's just all go, 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 go. And then you come back, you're like, yeah. oh, I've got to slow down. But this radio is fast too. And I've got to, oh, man, it's full noise. So you guys just, <laughs> so, you guys just can't, I'll just be here today. If anything, I'll, I'm here. But feel free to just you go about your business and just let me know if you need oh. me. Mate, I'll give us a wee update. You have a little rest here, Louis. I'll give us a wee update <laughs> Thanks, on what we've got going on in the show. Today we're going to talk some cycling with quadruple comms games medalist Aaron Gate after 7 o'clock after securing uh, medals at the latest UCI Track World Cycling Champs in Paris. So we're going to have a chat to Aaron and uh, see where he's at and then we'll cross over to the UK to talk some EPL football with our, with our man Harry Simeo. He'll be a lot chirpier than this time last year as his Arsenal Gunners sit atop of the league. So looking forward to having a chat to Hazard and Rebecca Russell, CEO of Auckland Rugby League, to talk about the future, looks like, in the community and some potential roles that need to be filled within Auckland Rugby League. So looking forward to having a chat to her. Double eight double three oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven on the Kenna Tire phone. I would love to hear from you throughout the day. And uh, obviously some big news that has happened throughout the evening to Kempe. Obviously the Black Caps got demolished in their warm-up game. Bowled out for 98 and, well, South Africa chased it down with nine wickets to spare and about eight overs too. So not ideal preparation there for our Black Caps. And also, is there going to be any more follow-suit? Adi Savia, mm. post-World Cup, Kobe Steelers. Gonski, wee little money money train trip. He'll be getting paid too. Mate, he's doing it differently, isn't he? He's, you know he signed um, for Jay-Z's, obviously, um, outfit over in America. His uh, agent is Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> so he's doing the things a lot differently. Yeah, he's doing his own announcements, his own medias. He's, you notice he's sponsored. So when you're in the All Blacks, you, you've got to be sponsored by – well, it's, it's – it's more than likely you're going to get a Ford. Well, he's sponsored by Toyota. So he's just changing the the landscape for how it's all been played mm. and how it's all been run. And I, I commend him on it, mate. I, I really do. Like, he's using his own brand, which is normal in America. He's going down that American side of, of doing things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. So he's off to Kobe Steelers, boys. 2023, into the, after the World Cup till 2024, and he'll come back and play for the All Blacks. He'll miss the Super Rugby season for the Hurricanes. So, well, it's going to be <laughs> tough going because he is the Hurricanes, let's be completely honest. Um, but, yeah, big news. I think I think there'll be a few more too, as, you know, come, come post-World Cup that will... Uh, Ten, we saw that with Bridgie going up to Montpellier last week and picking that picking that one out. You'll have players, fringe players, um, blokes at the back end of their career wanting to make some hay while the sun shines. That part on branding, you know, like your own personal brand, mate. Yeah, I'll take my hat off to those managers that actually make players understand what their brand is really truly worth, because that's what you're giving yeah. up when you're signing these all black contracts. And you know, when you guys are doing those. The, the hard case one is that you guys, when you're going to do those ads with Powerade and stuff like that, you do it in threes. You know how you always see three All Blacks? Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just really being told what his brand is really worth. And and I take my hat yeah. off to him because that period, as we know, where you can earn the most amount of money is really yeah. your period. 
not yeah. someone else's period, you know? So for him to go out there and, 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 and change what you're saying, the landscape, the trailblazer, mate, that's, that, that's going to become the norm. It's going to become and, the norm. You're dead right, Kempi. There's a small window. I sat down with Will Jordan the other day, Friday. Friday came over and I was, after I played my horrible round, he's ripping into me, getting a massage. And uh, I just said, mate, you're the most marketable player in New Zealand. The most marketable player in, in New Zealand, one of the most marketable propaganda in the global game. You should be being marketed for every, all the top um, companies around the country, around uh, even around the world. You know, like this is a young kid who's going to have a small window to earn. And when you're in that window, you need to take all, um, you need to take it with open arms. You really need to grasp at it because you can be taken over that quick. And uh, you just got to, you know, it's not being selfish, but it is being selfish. You got to just put yourself out there and, and do it because uh, someone else, the next guy, will come along. And just on that sabbatical, Kempi and Louis, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one, but. Artie's obviously our, our most, you know, dominant player that we've got at the moment. With well, he, you know, it's going to take someone special to overtake him. But you look at what happened to Damien. You know, Damien went over and and went on his sabbatical, chased the money, um, came back to potentially hope push for that World Cup, and it's bit him in the bum. You know, like he's come back. Someone else has taken their opportunity. Someone else has taken his position in the team. Now he's going to fight. You remember before 2019, he did his knee. So he mm. missed out on the 2019 World Cup. Now he's potentially looking at missing out on the 2023 World Cup because, let's be all completely honest, it's because he went to Japan. He gave someone else an opportunity. Now they've come in and taken over. And it's uh, it, it's that you got to weigh it up, eh? Like, if you're not the Artie Savias and you're, you're sitting on the cusp, do you go over and chase the money knowing that you potentially could give up that all that jersey and not go to the World Cup? So that's what's happening on the other end of the spectrum with Damien McKenzie. It's interesting. Yeah, you've got, to be, you've got to be a special type of player to be able to go out into a competition such as that Japan competition, which is a lot softer. It doesn't give you the week-in, week-out rigours that the competitions down here give you, as well as the international football, and then come back and expect to hit the ground running. I'll tell you who was a real... Um, uh, it gave you a real interesting look at how that happened in rugby league was Mark Gaznia. Remember Mark Gaznia? Yeah, going up so to Mark, France. Mark Gaznia went up to France. He came out of rugby league. He was a beast. When he left, he was a beast. You couldn't tackle him in the centres yeah. in rugby league. Yeah. He went up to France. He played rugby union. He came back. He was half the player. His body shape had changed. He was. He was. It was like he'd gone up there and eaten marshmallows for that whole off-season, you know what I mean? And then came back to the NRL. He, he struggled in NRL football, where at in NRL State of Origin International, he was the best centre running around. So I think you've got to take in the context when you're making those decisions. When you go up to the likes of Japan, you are going to become a lesser player because you're in a lesser competition. Well, you're it, not being pushed. It's a, re- it's a really good um, parallel. And, and even Brody Retallick talked about it. He lost quite a bit of yeah. weight. It took him a long time to build that like bone density back up, even like yeah. just to get broken your body broken back into the physicality. I'm just reading, it's really interesting. Artie Savia is not going to miss a single All Blacks game. So there's a little bit of a difference here in the contract that he had to Damien McKenzie's one where he, he left that window open. Artie's actually going to be back and available for the whole test season, which is... I, for Ian Foster, will be a godsend. I can't imagine an All Blacks team is he without Artie Sarve there in it anymore. Like that's why they've 
they've made this happen. Yeah. You know, obviously Artie's like, I'm gone. You've got to... Because there's no, like, only you think of the guys that have done this, Richie, Richie and Dan. Everyone else had to come back and, and, you know, earn their spot and start playing, but that's how important Artie is to the side. So when you've got the backing and you've got the foundations in place, you can have the power to move um, New Zealand rugby, and that's what he's done. And, and uh, yeah, for him it's paid dividends because we can't lose him, but for, for a guy like Damien... Probably pretty tough for him at the moment. Well, it actually leads me straight into this. I did have enough brain capacity just to come up with this. <laughs> Can't wait question of the day. Oh! Uh, I might have peaked early here. I might have used all the brain juice. I was thinking, because I was looking through the, the sports papers this morning, um, just doing a bit of catch-up, and obviously Joey Manu yesterday just picked the Kiwis up and put them on his back. And then they had Artie Savia off to Japan and then they had Portia Woodman and I watched Portia Woodman highlights from the weekend and I just thought to myself oh my god we have got so many inform athletes right now that are playing probably at the peak of their career we've got so many Kiwi athletes New Zealanders I'm talking about here that are probably the most informed they might have ever been in their career and right now they're at the top of their craft and the top and they're world leading Across any code, any sport, my can't wait question of the day is, who's the most informed New Zealand athlete right now? And that doesn't necessarily mean, I'm not asking who's the greatest athlete right now. I'm talking informed, yep. dialed in, locked in, playing at that Mark Gaznier pre-France level where he was just wreaking havoc in the NRL. 19 minutes past 6 o'clock, come through, 0800-150-811, think Far and wide, or maybe it's obvious, maybe it is Joey Manu, maybe it is Adi Savia. Who's the most informed New Zealand athlete right now? Izzy and Kempi have got their choices up straight after this. Here with Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day, and I'm going to use this Chemist Warehouse store today. I'm going to have about 18 of those lipo sachets of vitamin D and maybe drink some of that. Oh, no, there isn't any there. When you come back, give us an update too. Yeah, talk us through you. Your weekend, please. I'll, I'll do a little bit later on, I reckon. Okay. I'll give you... Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, again, I'll use some of this hand sanitizer to make sure I'm all booked. I'm all booked. <laughs> I'm all booked. For, uh, I, told, I phoned Al Sherrick this morning. Day. I phoned Al Sherrick <laughs> this morning at 5 o'clock, mate, for a chat. And I said, yeah. I said to him, he absolutely loves it, mate. He's booked to go to Melbourne already. Happy <laughs> <laughs> day at Melbourne Cup Dagger. Let's go. So you're getting a start? <laughs> as, 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 carbine Stakes, yeah, he's, he's in. He's starting in the carbine, yeah. He is. How good. Yeah. La Creek, J-Mac on Empire Rose, Derby Day. you got Andrew Forsman, Mr. Maestro. Like, it's a Kiwi takeover. A tissues race in the Empire Rose too. So Kurt's got two over there on Derby Day. Wow. That is a huge <laughs> – do you know what? No, like, not joking, that's a huge achievement. That is actually so cool. Yeah. And then you got Melbourne Cup, and um, I reckon I got the winner in the Melbourne so, Cup as well. So me and Daisy. Me and Daisy going out for a nice little, little romantic trip five days away from the kids. Sad, hey? I feel bad, but <laughs> – you don't derail the can't wait question. Though. We've got okay, all, sorry, we've sorry. all morning to talk about this, all week to talk about this, all next week to talk about this as well. 21 minutes past six. Who's the most informed Kiwi athlete right now around the world? We'll get your answers on the other side. 25 minutes past six o'clock. I'm asking for the most informed New Zealand athlete globally right now. Inform. Come on, there's so many suggestions. Light the text machine up, double eight, double three. Tim says SVG. Well, 
great nomination. Shane Van Gisbergen, Rally, Bathurst. Someone said Joe Parker, obviously, tongue-in-cheek. Um, is he... Who's the top of your pops? Look, when I, when I first saw this, this is the person that sprung to my mind straight away. Um, has to be, look, he had a bit of a blip in his last one, but Ryan Fox, for me. Mm. Ryan Fox, 100%. Like, just 25th in the world. He won his last event at the BMW, 1.4 milli. And look, he's, yeah, for me, just from where he's got from, come from, and to be where he's at now. First name that sprung to my mind, Ryan Fox, most kind of, um, informed athlete right at the moment. Great nomination. Mate, you've named, you've named a number already, Louie, you know, um, Porsche, um, Artie, you've got Ryan Fox, which is dead, right? Coley in the uh, yeah. in the squash, he's going right. Nico Porteous and, and Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott in the skiing, they are absolutely outstanding. Mm. I think Ruby is going to pretty good with Aaron Gate winning four gold medals at the... At the game, so you're right, Louis. What a what a question! You've got so many to choose from. Um, but I watched a guy yesterday single-handedly dismantle <laughs> Lebanon, and I never thought there'd be another player that I would see like that come out of the Cook Islands. Yeah. And we actually had Kev yeah. on Kev on the on the radio yesterday. I never thought there'd be another Kevin Edel come out of Cook Islands. Joey Manu is another step above Kevin. You know what I mean? He he is for me. I, my nephew texted me and said, "What about Joey Manu's game?" He's up in England watching it at the moment. And I said, "If you're the Aussie coach, you've got to do a number on Joey Manu because he can single-handedly <laughs> win them the World Cup." So he's my he's my inform athlete at the moment. I can't believe he's had five weeks off and come back and played a game like that. Oh, he's a freak. Like, he, he was so good, honestly. He, like he hate. You know, referring them to another athlete, but the way he just just like fended and made it look so effortless was like a Greg Inglis, like you know, just chip and chase, gets that big stiff arm out, banging them left, right. His it's like, it's like playing kids' from his game, right mate. To his left, bang. Oh, mate, it's like that playing backyard chase, footy. Ah, oh, freakish, freakish. That's a talent, generational talent, and he is one of the mates. So I love that. And there's a few coming through. As well, Hayden Wild on our uh, friend of our show, he's flying. Your Paul Cole, another one that's, you know, come from nowhere and world number one and getting the job done. Jay Max, Steve Alka, Steve and Alka, who's signed for the New Zealand Golf Open. And if you're listening, don't take any notice of the Charles Tour. I'll be better if the New Zealand Open if I get an opportunity. Do you need a caddy? See that article? Do you need a caddy? Yes. Oh, mate, yeah, come down and caddy for me. The, arti- the article. Don't worry. <laughs> mate, he don't needs, worry. He about needs that. Steve Williams at this stage. You need. You need Sam Pinfold. <laughs> should we? Hey, Pinner. Where is? Should we try oh. to get import Pinner back to be your caddy if you play in the New Zealand mate, Open? Honestly. That would be so good. I don't know if he'd be able to help me. We'd just be talking punting. I know, you'd be broke. You'd be broke by the (laughs) alien hole. Yeah, you guys would just be backing everything at Doombin. (laughs) Oh, talk to me about that. I had a... Who? Yeah, Monday. Anyway... Monday, Monday at Mount Isa. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, hey, well, like I actually went pretty good at the Everest and had a few winners and was tipping up a storm and then, yeah, Sunday session at Rotorua. Um, I've got a good story. I've got a quick story about Mount Isa, Isa back in my day. Where we get Johnny Schuster signed to come over. Remember Johnny Schuster? Yeah. Signed to come over and play for Newcastle. 
and he and he's you know he doesn't speak. He didn't speak a hell of a lot. And the coach said, "Do you do you drink?" And he shook his head, just you know, shook his head no. And we went to Mount Isa to play a <laughs> Mount Isa to play a trial. We told the team up Mount Isa that night. Johnny Schuster he he uh, basically hijacked the police car with the sirens on and uh, climbed a coconut tree. <laughs> and the, co- co- the coach of the team meeting the next morning said, I thought you said you didn't drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can re- just remember laughing my heart out, mate, about Johnny Shoe. And we, mate, for the next four years, me and him, we had an absolute ball. <laughs> absolute oh, ball. Couple of menaces. <laughs> Half past six. Uh, here we are, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, asking for the most informed New Zealand athlete worldwide right now. For me, hands and heels, it's J-Mac. I was talking to someone over the weekend, Australians, and we all agreed right now he is so dialed in, he is so far ahead of the pack. Like There are great jockeys all through. Like Chris uh, Craig Williams gave Giga Kick an absolute pearler. Um, you know, Huey Bowman, he's just for so long has been so good. Jay Carr, there are so many top-line jockeys in Australia. But one of them right now has gone to another orbit. How do you do that? How are you that much better than already people that are so elite? And um, right now he's so dialed in. Izzy, you're going to see him put on a clinic at Derby Day. I promise you that. 29 away from seven. Keep your messages coming through. Double eight, double three. Here's Aroha the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. <laughs> SCNZ, we're 27 away from 7, asking you for the can't wait question of the day. Who is the most informed Kiwi athlete at the minute anywhere around the world? Um, some sports headlines now with Bunnings Trade, helping businesses, our trade, making your job easier. Well, speaking of the Rugby League World Cup and Joey Manu being at his destructive best, at 10 past 7 this morning, we have got France taking on Greece. So we'll see if there's the Greek Joey Manu and if that person exists. So we'll have our eyes peeled on that. What about the Breakers? How good is this? Finally on a roll. So they're 3-1 and one after that niggly start to the year. They've gone on the road and they've just found a groove. Last night in the gong, Wollongong beating the Illawarra Hawks 88-62 is a hiding. So the Breakers are going to come back to New Zealand when they finish this road trip with some genuine momentum. And, well, in the Formula 1 where it's drama central, as we know, um, McLaren and, well, mostly McLaren have written a letter to the FIA asking for punishment, essentially, for Red Bull. Remember they had that spending breach, uh, which they decided was was minor, but the FIA needs to communicate subsequent actions and penalties to maintain the integrity of F1, says McLaren. So the knives are out for Red Bull, which, when you win, is kind of what happens. And Sean says, double eight, double three, is he? J-Mac on Lark Creek in the Empire Rose, which you're going to watch yes. from Railside at Derby Day in the owner's area. <laughs> and we, and we oh, asked Grilsey mate. too, didn't we? We asked Grilsey last week if he was yeah. going to ride Lark Creek over there and he didn't really know. So I feel a little bit sorry yeah. for Grilsey. I said that to Al this morning when we were having a chat. And uh, Al said, what do you do? 
you know, yeah, and, and Grillsy would know that too. So yeah, Grillsy you know, get it. J Mac on on top of La, La Creek out of uh, Vandermoss. Yeah, by Vandermoss, yeah. Rich Hill stud. Yep. Yep. Got to say, I love that stallion. What? <laughs> Why is that, Kempi? Oh, just a bit of black type on the weekend from Dan <laughs> out of the old mares, often, who's uh, yeah, in, fold, in fold of Vandermoss. So quite happy with that one. Vandermoss. This year, uh, this weekend, it's Cox Plate weekend, right? I was just watching the replay yes. of Vadimos. I think it was Winx's second Cox Plate, where he scrapped on pretty good for fourth. And it was a, yeah, he's a good I think French, but. French. Yeah, right. he is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There you go, is he? Animo. Animo. Too good. Please. I need this fill up. Can't be beat. <laughs> Can't be beat. What? <laughs> Do you want me to back it? Animo would be too good this week. Well. <laughs> Mate, honestly, like, I actually, I mean, if I was smart, I'd be hedging on Zaki. Like, there's every chance Zaki can win. The the so that right, what's today? Tuesday. So they have this thing, breakfast. Oh, I think it's called Breakfast of Champions at Mooney Valley today, and it's like they do their track work at Mooney Valley, so you can go and see them all gallop, and then they'll do the draw later on in the week, um, probably tomorrow. And man, if Zaki draws inside Alligator Blood. And can get the rail at Mooney Valley and can just set a big tempo and just bowl along. It could be really hard for something to come past it. But then, in saying that, maybe Animo is just actually a Mate, rocket the, ship. The Everest, the Everest is a prime example of of how races can map out when you think that there's a horse that's just too good for everyone else, and it just nature strip where it had to sit, how wide it had to sit, it had to go. And it was just 50 metres too long? Literally, that's it, Kempi. He just was three lanes too wide on the bend because Eduardo decided. Yeah. Nash said, you know what? If we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And we're so, going to make you work. And so Nash, and you know, good on Nash for that. Fair enough. Eduardo, <laughs> I don't think he's, well, I actually haven't seen the update, but he didn't feel comfortable. He Apparently his action was pretty poor at the 600 metres, so he was not going to win. But he said, you know what? We're here. This is the big boys. Set this. It was a. They went seven lengths. How's this? The first six hundred meters, they went seven lengths above average speed. Well, so there's no. Well. So the fact Nature Strips run fourth. Nature Strips run one of the biggest races of the day. Hundred percent. He is. I actually saw Steve Hansen at the airport yesterday. Is he? And yeah. <laughs> I had my I have a BGP cap on, and we were walking past each other in security, and he kind of caught my eye, and I was like, I looked at him. He looked at me. He was like, you know. How was your weekend? <laughs> I was like, you know, just looked like death. <laughs> and, and, like, and I was like, yeah, pretty good. Like, how did um, the big boy pull up? And he said, no, nah, actually really well, considering that tough run he had, he's actually okay. Yeah. He's out in the paddock. And um, he just, you could tell Steve and all the owners and Chris, they're all just so proud of him. But you're exactly right. 50 metres too long, you just can't win. Well, that's that's right. And, and the draw, they'll be all sweating on the draw and they'll be sweating on – the race and coming up with all the strategies of who's going to do what. And like you just said there with Eduardo pushing the big boy out and keeping him out there for that long just made him run 50 metres too far. And and that's horse racing. That's why That's why when you ever talk to the trainers and that, they say when they say, mate, to get a group one is just such, mm. a, such a hard thing to do. And then when you, you think, need a lot of luck. So then on the flip side, far lap. Secretarian. Winks. Winks. Winks is a freak. Yeah. 
Four Cox plates. We're going to talk about her a lot this week. Four Cox plates in a row. That is insane. Even, you know, we've got Stephen. Hopefully, hopefully Sticker will be back on the good oil this week. And, like, Sunline, those winning a Cox plate and being able to get a horse. So you think. Yeah. <laughs> Lonro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you love it. You're sick for it, is he? It's so good. All right. So back to the text machine. Uh, I fully agree that J-Mac is dialed and a fly on the Kiwi flag. So is SVG. Yeah, SVG got to be in the conversation. Says gig, 100% gig. Gig, your nickname should now be Giga Kick. Uh, Paul says Aaron Gates. Well, Gates, he's coming up after seven this morning. Um, and yeah, Jay Carr's ride in the Caulfield Cup favourite Smoking Runners wasn't too flash. Switching to the testing part of the track and going rider where the winner came I from. I tipped Giga Kick. That tip giga kick too. Who buy? What so, sicko is punting giga kick? <laughs> nah, Kurt, Kurt backed gig kick, but he went and checked the six rules and gig kick had the fastest last six Sunday. So he backed it and it flew home and he got it. He's like, did you get on? I was like, nah. But then I backed Durston. I backed Durston in the Caulfield. Oh, wow. Gee, there you go. You've, that's, I got no, nosed out of the uh, – I got nosed out of a huge – a trifecta pool because I didn't have Durston but you know, that's punting anyway 19 away from uh, 7 man this is such a good week boys Cox Plate week all the lads are fired up on spring racing eh? we're all just sick for it <laughs> it's so good we're going to talk about it all week long and then we're going to talk about it every year until 2027 when Kempi's got that Tarzino <laughs> the 3 year old taking on the older horses in the Cox Plate uh, after this it is Quizzy Dag, and hopefully you've been listening because I think we've given out every single answer in the quiz this morning. <laughs> we have. <laughs> so I wrote the quiz, and I think I've dropped it into conversation well, as he has. So if you've been listening, give us a call. You can have a $50 TAB bonus bet 0800 150 811. This is how you do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. Quiz is on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie, phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs, T.A.B. with the prize. 50 bucks if you're wise. If you're wrong and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it, this is how we do it. Quizzy, there, come play it. Quizzy, there, come play it. 0800 one five oh eight eleven. Now give us a call. Yes, 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 Keza. We're gonna go to Kerry. Morena to you, Kerry. You're up first for Quizzy Dag. Morning, morning. Morena. Morning, morning. Question number one. Phone a friend with Uncle Kempi. Question number one. Which Japanese club is Adi Savea off to to play for the 2024? Play for in 2024. Uh, uh, I didn't hear you guys talk about it. Um, <laughs> Kubota. Kubota. Together we are we are shaping, and it's not Kubota. Sorry, my friend. Sorry, Keza. Have a good day, mate. Brenton from Auckland. Morning, brother. Good morning, brother. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I am good now that you are on the line. Here we go. <laughs> Which Japanese club is it? Arnie Savia. 
I've only just recovered. Now you've brought it back up. We've got nightmares, Brenton. So, yes, thank you for bringing that up. Reminding me. <laughs> Would that be the highest ever? Or? Ever, ever. My highest ever. I said to someone, yeah, I said, if I ever shoot 100, I'll give up golf. And I shot 100, and they said, nah, it doesn't count when you're playing in a tournament. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> what did you say, Kobe Steelers? Yeah, you got it right. Uh, question number two. <laughs> How many runs did the Black Caps score in their World Cup warm-up against South Africa yesterday? I think it was 99. I think. Oh, Tata. Very close. Sorry, brother. Wasn't 99. Have a good day, Brenton. Simon, Auckland, morning to you. Morning, boys. How are we? We are good. We are good. How many runs did the Black Caps score in the World Cup warm-up against South Africa yesterday? 98. 98 <laughs> is correct. Question number three. Who won the first ever Football World Cup in 1930? Um, was it Uruguay? <laughs> Uruguay is correct. Question number four. Which horse caused a massive upset winning the $15 million Everest in the weekend? Giga Kick. Giga Kick is correct. Question number five, mate. If QB is the abbreviation for the quarterback, what does TE stand for? Titan. Bang! Simon coming through with the easy dub. Well done, mate. $50 TAB bonus bet coming your way. Cox Plate, who you got? Ooh, haven't haven't had a good look yet. Yeah, Animo, sweet, cool. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> good good Simon, me too. Perfect. Hey, uh, Louis. Yeah. Futures. Mm-hmm. What'd you get? What'd you get, Animo? Six bucks. Okay. I got. I wasn't smart enough to have the bet before the Winks stakes, but it was after his first start this prep, and James McDonald got off him and said he's a different horse. He went like a bullet. I'm so excited to stick with him. And in that moment, I knew that he would be jumping off Zaki. And essentially, it's a. am following James in here, but I don't think he's the best horse in Australia. I think he's got the right title, but so much. Like, I would have said that. I had so... Oh, boys, I was up to make so much money on Nature Strip. I had Maltese. I had Cascadian going through him. I had Ellsberg going through him. Like, I wasn't coming home. Oh. And then that's racing, right? He gets run off the track. And, um, Should have giga kicked it, mate. You would have been in the moon with Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> On Starlight. Yeah. Forget Bronte Beach. Oh. I'll be in like... It'll be a beach on the moon, that's right. It's exactly right. <laughs> anyway, so much time to talk about the Cox Plate. And um, well, we should ask, we had Hugh Bowman on. Actually, I felt so bad for Hugh and John O'Shea and Sam Williams and everyone involved with Lost and Running. Lost and Running would have run a huge race in the Everest. It just it would have mapped beautifully for him. He was behind the speed. Like in those – he would have been popping off and running on with the three-year-olds and Marzu and um, – Hey, again, that's racing. Just anything can happen. Yep. These are animals we're working with here. Seven away from seven, uh, we're going to talk 
a little bit more about my trip to Sydney later in the last hour because I've got some observations. After the news, we're going to talk to Aaron Gate about some cycling. But we're taking your texts. Who is the most informed Kiwi athlete in the world right now? Double eight, double three. Informed Kiwi athlete right now. There's a couple that haven't come through, so we'll see if you can get them before we finish this hour here as in Kempi for breakfast at CCNZ. How sharp is this? This is excellent from Chris, who's come through on double eight, double three, and we're talking the most informed Kiwi athletes. He said Tim Price by a mile. Now remember, we spoke to Tim Price after we snagged that World Cup medal for the first time in Yonks. He then won again the week after, and he's the world number one equestrian right now. He is on fire, Chris. Great one from you, Richie says Paul Cole uh, and Stu. Well, you completely Stu and Sam. That's right what you were thinking, Izzy, because Foxy dialed in. Dialed in. Dialed in. Give me some of that Foxy. Foxy? I don't know if Foxy could help my game, but, mate, he is flying at the moment. Ryan Fox obviously had a little bit of a blip, missed the cut in his last event, was in more trees than he was hoping, but, uh, mate, he is going great guns, 25th in the world. Anything, anything in top, inside the top 30 is good. And then SVG, Shane Van Gisbergen. Oh, well, he's on another planet in the V8 supercars. But, yeah, keep those messages coming through. And another guy who's flying is Aaron Gate. Aaron Gate obviously had a huge Commonwealth Games. He's gone over to the World Track and Cycling Champions uh, Championships, and he's got a bronze in the Omnium. So going to have a chat to him after 7 o'clock. And then we're going to have Harry Simeo on as well. We're going to talk some EPL and then I can't wait for you, Louis, to come through and tell us about your weekend over at the Everest because this is the time of the year that we really love. And I remember last year we had a huge day on Melbourne Cup Racing Day and obviously our very own, very elegant got it done. So some big horses that will be racing in that one and uh, we're building up to Cox Plate this weekend. So it's going to rip in. But Aaron Gate coming up shortly. We're going to go off. I'm going to get a nice little coffee. Going to reset and rip into our next hour because it's going to be big. Kept those messages coming through. Stephen Alka, yeah, he's another one that's flying. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Shop the Chemist Warehouse October catalogue and find Mont Blanc Explorer 100ml for just $84.99. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ Tuesday, 18th of October, and it's just after 7 o'clock. The messages coming through. Oh, question of the day. 
who is the most informed Kiwi athlete at the moment. There's been some great names thrown out. Ryan Fox, Shane Van Gisbergen. you got Tim Price. We had Tim Price on the show a while back, and it's great to see him continuing his form in terms of equestrian and show jumping. Well done. And then we've got Hayden Wild. Wow, he's on fire at the moment, continuing his form in the triathlon, and our triathlete. Keep up the great work. Ryan Fox. There'll be plenty, plenty more out there, no doubt. Athletes, Grace Nowicki. Grace Nowicki for Silver Fern. She's firing at the moment. As Grace just lobbed that ball up and she'll put it in the hoop, put it in the goal and keep our Silver Ferns. Hopefully they can go over and do the job. Matty Gordon coming in for Peta Toyava and Peta Toyava was phenomenal in those last two games. So hopefully Matty Gordon can continue that form and do what's asked of her. Uh, keep those messages coming through. Double eight, double three. Who is an athlete that is flying at the moment? Well, our next guest is one of those. 2022 has been a fantastic year for our Kiwi Track cycling team, and it keeps getting better. From the Commonwealth Games to the World Champs, it has been a medal frenzy. The World Champs have just wrapped up with Brioni Bortha taking home the silver medal in the pursuit, Corbin Strong silver in the elimination, and our man Aaron Gates snagging bronze in the Omnium. And he joins us on the line right now out of Europe. G'day, Aaron. Thanks so much, mate. How you doing? G'day. Good morning. Good, thanks. How you going? Good, thank you. How's France, mate? Uh, good to be back on dad duties now. <laughs> yeah, flew uh, back back to our base in uh, Spain today and, yeah, back to school pickup and usual usual things. Got to mow the lawns tomorrow. Oh. They're looking a bit overgrown after a couple of weeks on the road. <laughs> but, but, but how refreshing is that for you? Obviously, being away on tour, the pressures, you know, tour life, there's so much um, yeah, pressure on yourselves to perform. But getting back into reality, is it is that a good release for you? Oh, it's nice. Yeah, it's always um, nice to come back to the family. Definitely miss them when I'm away, and it's nice to be able to come back to a uh, a nice, yeah, a nice family surrounding, and um, straight back into looking after the wee rugrat because he definitely, <laughs> um, I guess, cycling is good training for for parenting in a way. <laughs> oh, he's nice to get back to the kids, mate, and it's also nice to grab a bronze medal in the uh, Omni. And uh, that puncher made it things a bit harder. How did how did you find it? Yeah, it wasn't um, wasn't an ideal situation. I like was in the in the front with um with tamar and, and hater and just as um the dutch rider in front of me decided to move down the track even though it looked like he was going up sort of pushing me into the onto the bottom and i think just that i must have picked something up in the tire just on that little bit off the track and um yeah unfortunately started going that horrific pss, pss, pss noise and i was like uh oh please tell me that's not my tire <laughs> got out of the saddle to, to chase them down and felt the front wheel started to bob and I was like, oh, this isn't good. Seven laps to go. This is not <laughs> not what the situation you want to be in. Um, so I was kind of just trying to pursue them, but it was just like kind of flogging a dead, dead horse at that stage. I was kind of in defense mode, just hoping the tire was going to hold enough air to, to basically not crash in the last seven laps. And luckily I got that far, but I had to, yeah, I guess it probably... I mean, I like to think I would have been at least silver had I kept that, um, had I avoided that puncture. But I mean, it's um, 
I was the the, the winner was a, a very clear um, strong rider. So yeah, it's, uh, kind of much for muchness when you're second or third. It's not quite the win, but at least it was um, good to be in the mix. And I think a, a good sort of a good marker heading towards the um, the Olympics in a couple of years' time, which is on this same track. Mate, mate, the team is flying at the moment. You've obviously gone over. You've got Brioni Bortha. You've got Corbin Strong um, having, a, having a phenomenal uh, meeting as well. So the team as a whole, are they happy? Is, are the coach and the team morale quite uh, positive at the moment with the success you've had? Yeah, it was a. Um, we came here and the sort of the, the goal from the, the management was to try and get two medals here and we, we walked away with three. So um, just from a pure numbers perspective, we we can consider it successful but i think also just like every single individual that was there was um was performing well and i think everyone that was in our squad deserved deserved to be there and was definitely riding at a world-class level so i think it's a it's a great sign to see new zealand track cycling as a whole is in a in a great position and um yeah like it's it's good to sort of have another have another competition after com games like that was a pretty pretty heavy build up there and the fact that everyone managed to keep chugging along and um, still come out and perform a few months down the track without um, going too far off the rails, which is easy to do when you've got success. But I think it's, um, yeah, credit to credit to the team and the staff that we had working with us. It's It's been a noticeable turnaround for sure. Uh, performances on the track uh, have always been there, but off the track there's been some noticeable changes. Mate, what are those changes that you've, you've been able to pinpoint it to to be able to have the success and you know, change the the fortunes of cycling New Zealand. Um, from a like our particular squad, like the endurance men sort of thing, we're just having a bit more scope and freedom to to pursue opportunities on the road, and just being able to to race with international road teams like Tom and myself racing with the the Kiwi Black Spoke Bolton Equities team this nice. year is to just help build the engines another another level and Campbell and Corbin are both racing at world tour level on the road as well and having pretty successful years there. So I think it's just um, the fact that everyone just physically is continuing to strive and um, improve as, as the years go on and get more mature. And um, also the fact we've got a sort of some fresh coaching staff that have just come in and they're, they're sort of starting to pursue the equipment and the, that side of things, which is super important in track cycling. It's kind of like the, arguably the most um, reliant sport at the Olympics um, in terms of equipment. Um, like if you go out with a slow bike, you, <laughs> you race, you just simply can't compete with the likes of the, the big nation budget. So we don't, we don't have those budgets. So it's about being creative and do what we can with the partnerships we have. Um, like we're lucky enough to have Southern Spars based in Auckland who are, who are build super yacht masts, but happen to be bloody good at making uh, track bike disc wheels for us too. So we're, kind of lucky with some of that kiwi ingenuity that chips away in the background to keep us at the forefront of uh, (laughs) the world sport yeah hey hey aaron just talking a little bit bit about that rewinding it back to the commonwealth games and the dominance that we showed in cycling are we in a good place both on the track but you know with with what's been going on with cycling new zealand off the track and behind the scenes Oh, do, do you see a positive um, relationship between the organisation and the athletes going forward? Um, well, like from an overall cycling perspective, I think um, New Zealand is definitely just in a, in a great space at the moment. Like um, Sam Gaze just winning a couple of world titles on the mountain bike. Um, 
Neve Fisher Black winning the under twenty three road race world title. Um, first time that, that event's taken place, and a Kiwi won it. So um, I think just overall, it's, it's it's just amazing. There's a lot of Kiwis racing both in the states and um, and in Europe this year, like more more than ever at a professional level. So I think it's just kind of continuing to motivate the young guys back home. Um, to keep keep pushing harder and training harder and sort of get some goals that where they want to be in sport and I think it's just cool seeing that um, some pathways are starting to take shape and yeah I think it's just a, a super exciting time for for cycling in in New Zealand. Well, for you for yourself, mate, riding track and road. How do you decide which events you want to be at for at your peak at? Um, well, the Commonwealth Games, I just kind of. Wanted to be good at everything, <laughs> and then luckily it worked out. But and you um, it's sort of uh, it's definitely like it's uh, there is a bit of picking and choosing, and probably that's one thing uh, this time around for the worlds that it was probably a little bit too far down the down the road pathway since the Con Games. Like we just had a four four sessions on the velodrome between um, between Com Games and and the World Champs, like sort of a last minute. Um, throw together with the, the limited time and, and money we had available to to get together and, and do some training versus the three weeks that we had before the com game so like that's definitely something we have to keep in mind going forward and yeah picking and choosing the times that we do spend together on the track because it's 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 pretty crucial but it also costs money so it's like that that fine balance between uh getting the mix right so that's why this year was a great learning curve to sort of see both ends of the spectrum and where we can try and meet in the middle to still still get the best out of everyone on race day. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed racing both the road and track. It's um, kind of, I think, what gives me a, a extra dimension as a as a rider and it kind of keeps the sport interesting too because there's always something else to something else new and different coming up. Mm. Mate, a couple of months left in the year. You got, you, know, you got any big targets left on the calendar before the year shuts out? Uh, no, nah, yesterday was um, my last race of the season, so it was nice to hit stop on the bike computer and say that was the <laughs> that was the last one that, that really counted this year. Um, and so, yeah, now just a month at home, um, feet up for a bit, no no bike per se, and just some family time and, yeah, just a uh, bit of R&R and, R and um, yeah, then just start the rebuild with the pre-season for, for next year. It's going to be another another big year. Mainly with a road focus, um, continue to build the build the engine room, um, and then the the final tweaks will come in um, the following year for for the the big dance in Paris on the track. Beautiful, mate. Well, just quickly before we let you go, speaking of aerodynamics, um, that moulet, <laughs> that beautiful moulet, that mullet. Has the coach told you to get rid of that? Because obviously that'll create a bit of friction and you know slow you down with that little beautiful moulet <laughs> at the back of the helmet. Is that, is that all part of the plan? Have you been told to cut well, it off? Oh, the coach is sort of slowly, like I was, luckily mine was not at a length that he really noticed. Um, <laughs> but George Jackson, one of the other team members, it's worth looking up a photo of him because he had a pretty spectacular one at the comp games. The coach definitely uh, was starting to raise a few eyebrows. But it's sort of, there's been a long history of, of mullets with Shane Archibald actually specifically doing some testing one day with his mullet in the wind tunnel with the mullet out and the mullet and and the mullet out actually uh, returned a more superior aerodynamic CDA value 
So, Ooh. I mean, he did later go on to admit to me that he might have raised his head just slightly in the one that the mullet was in, <laughs> just to show that it was faster. But, <laughs> but <laughs> my wife seems to think it gives me extra power. So <laughs> sometimes you just have to overtake extra extra drag with more power. Good work, Conan. <laughs> There you go, there you go. Man, it's phenomenal. You're going to have young kids on their bikes around the country emulating Aaron Gates' moulet. Appreciate it, mate. Appreciate your time. Keep up the great work and enjoy your break, your well-deserved break. And we look forward to seeing you on the track and the road shortly, mate. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Yeah, there he is, Aaron Gates. One of the characters of cycling He's on the team. And, mate, it's just that same old conversation we have down here, down under, how we're able to compete with the nations that have huge budgets and we continue to compete and, and you, know, um, you know, keep ourselves near the top of the level dealing with uh, the budgets that they do overseas. And just Aaron Gate talking about that, we've got the rowing, we've got the cycling, we've got the sailing, you know, like, it's down under, not much money here, but we're still um, competitive. Yeah. That's what I love about it. Just Kiwis find a way. Kiwi ingenuity, they talk about. Yeah, it's, it is actually a mate. We touched on it briefly last week about high performance centres, didn't we? You know, like if we had the mm. we had the input from governments and and financial backing from philanthropists towards some of our sports teams, yeah, you can just imagine what level they would go to. Imagine if it was privatised. And yeah. like, I don't know, pick one, of, like Graham Hart just decided, you know what, <laughs> we're just going to, you know, like we're just going to, we're going to pump money into this. But I guess it kind of can't be like there's for obvious well, reasons. The, the, but... the, guy that owned, the guy that owns Cody Cliffs, who just recently passed away, instead of giving $100 million to Auckland Museum, you know. Well, something like million, that, yeah. Give $100 million to Did sport. Julian Robinson pass away, Kimby? Passed away. passed away, yeah, passed away. I think maybe a month ago. Um, oh, so his son's up there. Now, his two sons up there, now um, taken over. You know, beautiful spot up there. Has he been up there? Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Oh, yeah, love that place. It's mm. so good. Hey, hey. do you see Te- Tiaro links as well? That's oh open, yes, yeah. mate. <laughs> yeah. Great surf spot. Rick, Uncle Rick. Well, maybe not the best time to ask 19 minutes past 7 Aaron Gate, champion That was a good chat, boys really enjoyed that Uh, After this, Kempe's off the back fence And Izzy's clearly got breakfast coming his way In the pool house I do (laughs) Good old man Thank you, Mance Ah, look at him, look at him handing those poached eggs on toast (laughs) So good He's the luckiest bloke alive, Kempe the best, he's the best. <laughs> He'll give us warehouse. Great savings. Get that away from the camera, mate. We don't. Actually, actually, we're going to go have a coffee as well. All right, Kempi's off the back fence after this. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. The Kiwis finally kicked off their World Cup campaign yesterday against a spirited Lebanon side in Lancashire, Warrington. It was a scratchy performance from our Kiwi boys, but a timely reminder of how important Joey Manu is to the success of this World Cup campaign. Man, can that kid play? One of the best I've seen. But the elephant in the room for me is the appointment of Australians into key coaching positions within the national structure. Australians who have never played a part in development of league in New Zealand and have no affiliation with the New Zealand community 
or the local game. Looking into the coaching box and seeing it full of Australians saddens me. Really? Is this who, who we have become? A sport that can't even find a spot for a Kiwi coach amongst the 16 staff members currently on tour. Another nail in the organisational model which has been delivered by people that also have no affinity to the national game. All I can say is wake up and read the room and start looking after our own. You are paid really well to create pathways for community to high performance. Unfortunately, what it looks like is that you are are being paid well to give much-needed funding to a bunch of Australians that have no input into the progression of rugby league in this country. I bleed black. I don't bleed green and yellow. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Bang. Joe Manu. Man, he is so good. How good? So, so good. I was a little bit wary because obviously he was coming back from a wee injury and hadn't played too much in the NRL in the latter stages and obviously just underperformed. But, man, really proved me wrong. He looks fit. He looks strong. and just knows how important he is to that team. His combination with Dylan Brown. Um, you still got Jerome Hughes coming back. Um, so, look, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. A bit rusty. But to it be expected for combinations, just getting back together. So there's obviously a lot of a work, lot of work to be done. And with a match, Maguire, and I know you've got question marks over that. We've touched on it plenty of times. The Aussies that are involved um, <clears throat> going forward, I hope that we can get someone in there. And we spoke about it yesterday. But right now we've got those Aussies in there at the moment, and we're hoping they can get the job done. If they don't, they're out the back door. But yeah, I know what you mean, Kimpy. We've touched on it plenty, and it's we need change. Uh, whether that's going to be made is is the big question, really. Maybe Rebecca will know. So, if the Kiwis won the Rugby League World Cup, though, would New Zealand Rugby League be vindicated in their decision making? Uh, yep. no, I don't think so. Uh, look, I think. See, this is a this is a real. This isn't just about rugby league. This is about organisations where athletes are actually propping up the organisation. And and the de- and the the problems that organisations have um, are being brushed under the carpet because of athlete success. Cycling is a prime example. Yeah, we just spoke to Aaron. Four four gold medals at, uh, at the Commonwealth Games. Um, Fisher Black goes over, pays her own way, gets another gold medal. It sweeps the problems under the carpet. Now, for me. When I looked into the, the the saddest part for me yesterday watching that game was looking into that box, Louis, and seeing it just full of Australians. Like, you cannot tell me that there isn't a Richie Blackmore. See, when I think of coaches, I think of Cess Mountford. All right, Cess Mountford, I was a kid growing up in the great Kiwi team. Then I think of Graham Lowe, the 80 0 win at Carlo Park. Then I think of Bluey McLennan, he took him there and they won 24 0 in the Four Nations final before he went to the World Cup and won it in 2008. I don't think of Daniel Anderson and I don't think of. Madge Maguire, they're not going to go down as the greats. You know, so I think you can find a model that gives this country through community some hope that they can one day get there and be Seth Melford, Graham Lowe, a Bloom or Bloom McLennan, you know? So at the moment it seems like, oh, let's go and get these Australians and let them pick their mates to come into the side and everyone back here in New Zealand go, Well, how do we get there? Isn't that your job? That's what I'm saying. Isn't that your job? You're getting paid money from the taxpayer to develop pathways and community development in this country to push your push your coaches through to the national team. I'm not seeing it. Do you- I think I think Kimpy, you got to you got to pick the the best in their position and, and and the best 
uh, person to take us through. And and for for me, look, we've got Kiwis that, that are around. You got Black, Richie Blackmore, but where's has he been? Has he been coaching? I don't know. Has he been in, in the coaching rounds? Has he, he's been been coached around Auckland. Stacey Jones, he's taken over. He's already said that he doesn't even want it. So why would you you give it to someone like him that's not even in the right mind? I think with Madge, the question is, I'm about results. And if, if, if we're going to get the job done, I'll be like, okay, they got the job done. But if I'm hearing questions that he's lost the backroom and no one's really listening to him and and they have they're not you know he hasn't got the respect from the players and the and the backroom then then I'm starting to question it. So look, it's yeah I can understand where you're coming from. We want Kiwis in there to coach our national team and and I'm all about that. But I want the right people that are right mm. that are up for the job. Yeah, and just if we just, don't have that, I don't want to put them in there and to 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 sink and to fail and then it's like oh we're just setting them up to fail. So just quickly, just quickly on that. So Madge, yep. So put him in into the spot, but he should have all Kiwis underneath him. All right, and I don't care where they come from, but they should come out of the New Zealand New Zealand Rugby League, and they should be given the opportunity to progress through a pathway. We're not even doing that part right. Yeah, there you go, Cam. I think that kind of answers your question a wee bit there. So it's not necessarily about someone right now. It's about the pathway and the foundation. And Kempi's talking about the context rather than just the one instance, I'm pretty sure. And we'll continue the conversation after the news with Aroha. For, here she is for Kubota together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Um, what do you make of it? And do you see where Kempi's coming from on this one? And actually, here's one for you, Kempi. Have a think about this. Do you have an issue with Baz coaching the English cricket team? And if you were the ECB, would you have done that differently? Have a think about that. We'll get back to it after this. 29 away from 8. SENZ with 26 away from eight, talking to me, PL, with our boy Harry Simeo out of the UK. And just a bit right now, speaking of the UK, France and Greece have got their Rugby League World Cups underway. Three minutes in, nil all. Uh, I love the Greek kit, the blue and white. That is so cool. And uh, this is one of the great things about Rugby League World Cups. You get to see teams you would and players you would never, ever see before. Speaking about World Cups, well... Concerning signs for the Black Caps, I think is fair to say, when we were absolutely poleaxed by the South Africans yesterday, 98 all out within 18 overs. Good to see Guppy find some runs, 26, Glenn Phillips, 20. And then South Africa chased it down with the loss of one wicket inside 12 overs. Riley Rousseau, 53 not out. Aiden Markram, 16 not out. So they'll be looking to find some momentum before the World Cup, big time. And on the other side of it, how's this? Two-time T20 World Champs West Indies have been knocked off by Scotland. (laughs) So (laughs) Scotland got up. um, And if they now beat Ireland or Zimbabwe, they have a chance of making the Super 12. So both teams sit 15th play Scotland in the T20 World Rankings and they got up over the West Indies. So there's a tale of two tapes there and those are your sporting headlines. As Aroha said, the other big one, Adi Savir, off for a sabbatical after the World Cup, but he's not going to miss any All Blacks games. Gull is fueling your mission all year round. Visit gull.nz for some good value fuel. Um, going back to our conversation, Kempi, I left you with the Baz thought. Yeah, look, 
the the Bears, the the English cricket and the Bears uh, appointment, I think, a little bit different on the cricket because I'm not talking about the appointment from a professional organisation. I'm talking about the appointment and the pathways within the New Zealand Rugby League. This is a chicken and egg thing. There are no pathways, therefore there are no coaches. Yep. So that does that make sense? So I've got no pro- no problem that you've got to go and get a Madge Maguire. But what I've got a problem with is that there's no succession plan for pathways for our Kiwis to come through. So sitting underneath yep. Madge Maguire should be a bunch of coaches. Just imagine, Izzy, you've got four years of developing coaches in that high-performance arena. At least one of them will come through. Now, we've got yep. nothing. We've got nothing. We've got no pathways. We run tournaments, and we are simply a recruitment ground for the NRL. And what it looks like is because of that model – now all we're we ever going to have coaching New Zealand teams, Australians. Because there are no pathways. Yeah, be, it's a chicken and egg thing. Yeah, yeah well, there is definitely no pathways. We've been banging that drum for a long time. We've got Rebecca coming up after after 8 o'clock, and I'm looking forward to chatting to her about what's what's in the pipeline. But you did right. There's no pathways. So for me, if there's no one, then we can't have anyone in there underneath, Madge. And then it's like a lose-lose situation for New Zealand League, for New Zealand Rugby League. So, yep, you're dead right. Get the pathways in there. And it'll be a great opportunity if there was, you know, some coaches that were coming up from the ranks to sit in that box with Madge McGuire, who's, who's played, um, who's been coaching in the NRL for a very long time. He's had a bit of success over in the NRL too. So he's got a lot of, um, you know, a little wisdom he could share. Mm. How good would it be for young coaches to sit in that box and learn from him? Well, see, Stephen like Kearney, see, Stephen yeah. Kearney would be oh. my Kiwi coach because he was the World Cup coach in 2008. Mm. And they've got the model that they've already, you know, which don't want to say it, but I was a part of that 2008 World Cup when we put Wayne Bennett with Stephen Kearney. We got the model around the other way where we had a young coach and we needed an old ball to help him. You know what I mean? We trusted the New Zealand coaches. Don't tell me there isn't a Kiwi coach. You know, Stephen Kearney is our Kiwi coach. He's a current, he's Melbourne. Actually, him and Madge used to be Melbourne assistants together at Melbourne. Did you know that? No. Yep. And then, and then Madge decided to go to Wigan and, and Mooks decided to go to Para. And now Madge is the coach of the Kiwis and we've got Mooks back at Melbourne. Like, come on. Seriously. Who are the names? Double eight, double three. You get in touch. You're in the communities and you're right as he after eight o'clock. Rebecca Russell, she's the CEO of Auckland Rugby League and they're trying to make some positive changes so we can ask her and continue this conversation a little bit later on. How long did that jockey get who calls the four horse pile up? Uh, you're talking about Opie Bosson down there at Hastings. Six weeks. So Opie Bosson scrubbed out so all of the Futures yeah. tickets. <laughs> yeah, scrubbed out for the carnival, but it was a little nasty fall. And um, yeah, no Serious injuries, but um, yeah, Fela Z and All Press um, both hit the deck, and I think we we're a bit worse for wear. So yeah, it was bad enough. Six weeks, and he's not going to challenge it. He's not going to protest it. So Opie's out for the uh, the carnival down there at Rickerton. Um, Chris, just to answer your question. After this, we're going to talk some football with Harry Simeo. Welcome back. We're going to talk some football. EPL yesterday, the Premier League's two powerhouses in recent years collided at Anfield, Liverpool. Maybe doing it tough this year, but they managed to upset their bitter rivals, Man City, and claimed three points in the front of a boisterous crowd. The game wasn't without its controversies, as neither 
was Arsenal's early in the day as they now sit four points clear at the top of the table. How good. Someone who will be happy to hear that is our good friend Harry Simeo. Hazza. What a time to be an Arsenal fan, my friend. Oh, it's great, mate. I'm just lapping it up because you don't know how long it's going to last. <laughs> so you've got to enjoy it. You've got to take it all in. And uh, we've had so many years of disappointment that you, you kind of have to just ride the wave now. <laughs> how are you guys? We're good. We're good, Hez. We appreciate you coming on the show. And yes, I've been thinking about you seeing the Gunners sit atop of the table uh, ahead of the, the City. Does City's loss this weekend give you a lot of confidence as an Arsenal fan that you might be able to sustain a healthy gap at the top of the table? I've got to be honest, I don't think that Arsenal are ready uh, to go the distance. You know, as much as we're enjoying it at the moment, <laughs> you look at the depth that Manchester City have in that squad and the fact that they could lose three or four key players and replace them with equally good ones. Um, you look at Chelsea's depth, it's probably better than Arsenal's. Maybe Spurs' depth is, is better than Arsenal's as well. I think there's a few teams who have that capability. And, and, and as good as Arsenal's first eleven is beyond that, there are a few weaknesses. So... Whether Arsenal will be able to sustain that challenge, I think is dependent on, on how lucky they are with injuries and fitness issues over the course of the season. So we're not getting carried away because I think there's a long way to go. But the early signs are encouraging. And listen, Manchester City might have got beaten this weekend, but they're more than capable of going on a 10-15 game winning run as they've proven <laughs> uh, many times over the last few seasons. Hey, Harry, what led to Arsenal, Arsenal's game at Leeds being delayed? Were the Rhinos hosting a Rugby League World Cup game, were they? And so, so uh, there was a there was a massive problem um, in the area in which the Leeds United Stadium, Ellen Road, is situated. There was a power cut um, just a few minutes into the game, maybe two minutes in. And what happened was, as a consequence of that power cut, the connection between all of the officials was uh, was knocked out, and they couldn't reset that. And also, the connection uh, to Stockley Park, where the video assistant referees are watching, uh, was also interrupted. So the problem was that the game couldn't continue without the video assistant referee being in play because it would affect the integrity of the competition given every other ground had it functioning. And luckily they did delay the game and wait because the VAR was needed on three or four occasions with that mm. game. So uh, the delay was frustrating, but uh, <laughs> I think you know they, they had no choice in the end really. Mate, just, just on that, did you feel that disrupted Arsenal's Preparations only a one 0 win over Leeds, and they're talking of the VR VAR. It played a big part again this weekend. What did you feel they got wrong? Yeah, I mean the disruption. I think was something that both teams had to contend with. So I don't want to sit here and say that you know Arsenal were the only ones that had to had to cope with that. Leeds, to their credit, turned in their performance of the season. They were really, really good. Uh, they performed to a really high level, particularly in the second half. And, uh, and probably will feel very hard done by that they ended up losing the game. You asked me what the VAR got wrong. Maybe the VAR got wrong the decision to disallow a Leeds United goal right at the start of the second half. There was a, a slight hint of a foul on uh, the Arsenal defender by Patrick Bamford, who scored the goal. And, uh, and the VAR stepped in and decided that it was enough to chalk the goal off. And I think if it was the other way around, I'd have been feeling pretty hard done by they did get a lot of things right, though, the VAR as well this weekend. Um, there was a, an incident right at the end of the game in stoppage time where an Arsenal player was sent off and a penalty was awarded to Leeds. That was the wrong decision, so thankfully VAR stepped in there. They also stepped in at Anfield in the game between Liverpool and City 
and denied Manchester City a goal where there was a foul in the build-up. Manchester United probably should have had a penalty kick in their game at Old Trafford and they went on to draw that game. So they'll be very frustrated that the VAR uh, didn't pick that up. But this is the thing that drives us mad with it. It's a great tool but the application of it is just too inconsistent. Mm. Yeah, we've got the same problem down here with the bunker in Rugby League, Harry. So, mate, the, the, you're talking a little bit about Liverpool. Could the tide be turning for Salah and, and Liverpool? I think there's that old saying in, in football that, you know, form is temporary and class is permanent. And I think, you know, that's, that's what you can say about this Liverpool side. They will be back. They will um, get much closer to the top than where they currently find themselves. And what better way to kind of reignite that spark and, and obviously build confidence than by beating a Manchester City side that everybody thought were going to go there and roll them over. Salah was excellent yesterday, not just on the ball as he normally is, not just in and around the penalty area, but his general game was was, such, was to such a high level. Um, you know, He worked incredibly hard. He really set the tone. And also the, the re-emergence of Virgil van Dijk in the defence as a really good, strong force. Uh, was clear to see yesterday. He's had a difficult start to the season, and that's been key. But he looks as though he's turned the corner as well. So Liverpool will be hoping they can build on this. There's a midweek round of fixtures uh, this week, and then back in action again at the weekend. So there's lots of football and lots of time for Liverpool to play their way back into form. Mate, one of the the, the teams that you're looking at the table, you're starting to think, what? They are flying. Is a bit of reality starting to hit Brighton at the moment? Obviously, dropping the last couple and falling a, a wee bit down, on the ladder, down the ladder. They were flying earlier on in the season. Yeah, they've been really unlucky, Brighton, because they've built something very good there uh, in recent seasons under the management of Graham Potter, who is now the Chelsea manager. Uh, he obviously got the job when they decided to part ways yeah. with Thomas Tuchel about five or so weeks ago, and he's won every single game barring one in Europe as the Chelsea boss. So um, Chelsea's gain has obviously been Brighton's loss. They've brought in Roberto De Zerbi, uh, a promising young Italian coach um, who's, who's got a pretty decent CV himself, but it's just going to take him a little bit of time, I think, to get his sort of his team playing the way he wants. They were really good at Liverpool uh, the week before last and were really unlucky to lose the game in the end, uh, to draw the game, I beg your pardon. They should have got all three points. Brighton will be, Brighton always do this. Brighton always start the seasons really well and then they tend to level out. But I think they'll be comfortably mid-table this season, which for a club of that size, you know, is pretty good and probably the max you could ask for. Beautiful, mate. And uh, look, be remiss of me not to ask anything of this team, Man United. Any hope? Any glimpses of anything? <laughs> every time, Every time you think that, Every time you think that Manchester United have turned the corner and every time you think that they're back on the right track, they produce a really poor performance or, or something that makes you question oh. what's going on. The Cristiano Ronaldo thing continues to rumble on. What's the situation Does there? Hate not him? happy. I, I wouldn't go as far as saying he hates him, but I think that Ten Hag has got a very specific way in which he wants his team to play football. And a 38-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo just can't just can't do that. And um, but then again, yesterday the game that they ultimately huh? drew with Newcastle, a game they should win. When of course they've got Spurs and Chelsea to come. You know there was a chance right at the death that Marcus Rashford missed, and you're looking at it and you think if that's Cristiano Ronaldo, Manchester United win the game. Hands down, hands down. That's why I can't I can't understand it. But anyway, he's the manager, and I'm the radio host, and I just. 
Leave it up to them, really. Anyway, mate, Heza, we're going to let you go. Appreciate it. Love hearing your voice back Thank on you the airways. You're an absolute champion. Take care and well done to the Gunners. Hopefully you can continue to fly top of the EPL League, mate. Thank you so much, Haz. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. There you go, is he? And um, you're feuding with Eric Ten Hag. Good to know. <laughs> oh, it's cr- no, it's crazy, eh? Look, he's for, he's for Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, like he's he's got a game. Former temporary. Mate, is he washed Glass up? Glass is or? permanent. Oh, right. Wow. Six, six, you know? I don't know. Six and a half away from no, he's eight. He's getting paid, though. Hey, I'd probably play him. Football, yeah, yeah, yeah. Football heads. <laughs> football heads. Is Cristiano Ronaldo washed? Yes or no? Educate us. We don't really know. Back after this with your messages. Seems like everybody has given up on Manchester United because nobody even wants to tell us about Cristiano Ronaldo on <laughs> double eight, double three. But um, we do have a text here. Stephen Kearney is a great assistant coach, but he's not a head coach, Kimby. Ah, oh, yeah, well, I disagree. I disagree. I just think that, uh, you know, there's some luck needed in uh, the head coaching role and you know, he's shown some resilience and maybe one day he'll get a bit more luck. But you can't say he can't coach as a head coach when he's won a World Cup. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, he's <laughs> he had an opportunity to hit coach the Warriors. Well, that is a tough, tough ask when you got to coach any Warriors start team, mate. It's going to be difficult. And that's the only, well, hit coaching role he's had, isn't it? He's been assistant at Melbourne, and then he went and to... Parramatta. Uh, obviously, he had and Parramatta. Parramatta. And Parramatta head coach. Yep. And here coaching for Parramatta and then gone to the Warriors. But anyway, we're going to talk to Rebecca Russell, CEO of Auckland Rugby League, after 8 o'clock. And there's another question, uh, another message here I'll get to. Clearwater, save balls, asking for a friend. Well, that's referring to my 13 on hole five. How good? Here's Arnold Hale with the news for Kipola. Into Chemist Warehouse for 25% off the INC Sports Nutrition range, starting from 22.49. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, SENZ, Tuesday, the 18th of October. And it's just after 8 o'clock. There's a few messages here ripping into Dagger. How good? Why not? George Bridges ripping into me on, the, on my Instagram page. He's asking me, where can I play golf, Dagger? And I said, why don't you go play Shirley, mate? 16 holes and it might keep you under 100. He says, Dag, you can't say that. <laughs> Well, I can. If I shot 100, you would have shot 300, okay? Because that's how much of a hacker you are. Just tell anyway. Them, just tell them to put their money where their mouth is, mate. Get them oh, back no, out there. Mate. Honestly. Anton Leonard Brown, he's my next victim. I'm going to smoke <laughs> him. He's ripped into me day one. And now, and now, 
He's come back with me. Mate, I shot 100, you would have shot 200. And he said, whatever, I've never had a 13, and I have a bigger drive than you. No, you don't have a bigger drive than me, <laughs> and you never had a 13. That's because you're circle eight. You pick up. Can't pick up in a professional event bridge. They don't come through. And this guy on the text machine, you got a bit of cheek too. Leave your name with it. Do they have high-performance centres for four more blacks to get them to save money on par fives at Cleora by saving golf balls? Asking for a friend. <laughs> well, they, uh, it's funny you say that, actually. They're actually creating a high-performance centre at Clearwater. Todd Heller, who obviously used to own Heller's um, butchery, he sold it up a few years ago. He's got a fair, few bob. Well, he's putting in a high-performance driving range there at Clearwater if you're just driving in on the right. So that should be finished in a couple of years, Kempe. That's going to be great. Great going forward for these young golfers. Another wee high-performance centre to maybe entice and encourage our next generation to go forward and move move on. So looking forward to, to that one. And there's another message here. Morena Brothers, sounds like your trip was off the charts. Louis, yes, it was off the charts. And we're going to get an update from Louis later on in the 8 o'clock hour. And uh, good on you for doing it instead of talking about it. Kempe, I was on the place bet with Jam. With the entire yeah, Fuddy brother, so congrats. Most I formed uh, Kiwi athletes at the moment are Cole, owning in the squash world, and our great commentary triathlete mate, Hayden Wild. And if you're looking at best moneymaker, it has to be Steve Alka. Yep, well, Steve Alka's announced he's going to play at the New Zealand Golf Open. And is he? Keep the chin up, bro. I've got a bucket of good balls here in the shed for you. We'll courier them over to you. Relax, Daggy Woods. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good chat, I is. A lot of good oh, chat. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mate, honestly, as soon as I was hitting that 13, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get ripped out for this. Yeah. But, hey, gave it a crack and had a wee nudge. And I, well, just figured out quite quickly that golf, professional golf, is on another level. <laughs> it's on another level. Mate, who was the <laughs> who was the best young like, because I heard there was a couple of young kids down there playing. Who was the best young kid you saw playing down there? Oh, there was so many. Um, you got Harry Bateman. He's a guy from Auckland. I've watched him play a few times. you got Tyler Woods. Uh, the guy, Josh Geary, he's been around for a while. He actually won the event. He's very, very talented. And then there's a young Hawks Bay guy, uh, Michael Thompson, as well, who's got so much talent. So there's plenty, Kempe, and uh, we're going to talk some league right now. I'll throw to you to introduce our next guest, my friend. Yeah, mate, no worries at all. Of course, we're talking about the greatest game of all, which is in decline at the community level, and Auckland Rugby League aren't going to sit on their hands while solutions are found. Instead, they are actively looking for the right people to reinvigorate the sport. With two director roles currently available on the ARL board topic, Talent has been scouted to take up the task and join the organisation as they look to grow the game yet again. Rebecca Russell, new CEO of Auckland Rugby League, is on the line with us now. Morena Bex, how are you? Morena, TK, really good, thank you. That's good. Hey, we've seen the video. Everyone here in the studios watched it and you put it out there about these uh, two director roles that are just coming up. How important is it that you get this hire right for the next two people? Oh, look, it's, it's really critical. I think, um, you know, when we've kind of looked at our numbers, um, yeah, we've looked at it in the context of COVID, and I think it's really easy for, um, for us to have maybe hid behind the fact that COVID was so hugely disruptive. But as we've looked at our player numbers, um, I think we've, we could see a bit of a decline happening before COVID. So, 
you know, we want to change that, um, you know, that, that trajectory and we want to really transform the game. So these two director roles are critical in terms of guiding our future success. What does the game need right now to grow again, um, Rebecca? Look, I think it's a number of things. I think we need to do a much better job at talking about ourselves. I think, uh, you know, leagueies tend to be a little more humble. Um, I think we need to be way more out there. Um, we've got some incredible people involved in the game um, and we, we've got some really great stories to tell. And, I, and you know, um, TK, when you when you introed, you know, you, you talked about the great game. This is the greatest game in the world. Um, I think we just need to, we need to really, um, really own that. If we can do that, then that, you know, we're halfway there. Bex, is there a reflection in what is happening in our sport here or is the rugby league sort of sitting out there on its own as a as a part to other sports that are that are sort of do they have the same problems? Do you think, or is it just specifically rugby league? Look, no, I, I think it's all club sport. Um, if, you know, if I look nationally, and you, you know, you can only kind of see and hear about the trends that are happening. Um, everyone's time poor. Our ability to to bring in volunteers that are so critical to any grassroots competition, anything um, that's kind of club-related, any type of sport, I think that we're all feeling that squeeze. I think we're just being really brave and putting ourselves out there to say, actually, we're going to put our hand up. We, you know, we want help, and um, we want to try and attract the very best people. How much uh, focus needs to go on the strength of competitions as well as player numbers? Um, a genuine competition around Auckland, around the country that can, well, encourage these players to, to have a dabble. Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of everything. The, um, our competition standard needs to, needs to be raised. Um, you know, certainly it's a real focus for us in Auckland, but we would love to see, you know, stronger competition at a national level. Um, would really fill, um, you know, a spot, a, you know, a gap that we've currently got in our pathways, and really make that a much more seamless um, transition through to, um, you know, NRL level if that's kind of where you wanted to go. Is there like, uh, what's the main hurdle for that? Um, why we don't have a major competition? Is it just there's no alignment alignment between the districts or the unions? Yeah, look, it's a discussion that we're having with the NZRL, and I'm certainly open um, to that. And we, we've had wider discussions um, with regions across New Zealand, and I think everyone is on board. I think we just probably need to uh, formalise that and, and ta- start taking some, some steps in that direction. I think it probably just hasn't been a focus for, for a few years, and uh, yeah, we've just kind of lost some momentum in that space. Hey, Bex, a lot of people will be listening to this next question. You know, after the New Zealand rugby signed that Silver Lake deal, one of the first things they did was take the money out to the clubs and inject it into the community game. You know, so they, how is the ARL placed financially and are the clubs in need of a cash injection? Um, yeah, look, ARL is, you know, is well-funded and I think that... Um, in terms of that club support, that is definitely a key part of our strategy going forward. Um, you know, the ability for those clubs to really thrive, um, not just to attract players, but then to also uh, maintain that growth and make sure we those players is, is going to be really important. So how we um, support the clubs going forward is going to be really key.
What's the relationship like with New Zealand Rugby League? Is there is it a good relationship? Is there a little bit of friction? Do they listen? Um, look, yeah, I've been in the role for about six months now and I've had really great engagement with the NZRL. Um, I think we are definitely aligned on um, our thinking and that future direction. Um, and I think, you know, from my perspective, I think that the relationship is strong and I think we just need to, to really build on that. Hey, Bex, what's the biggest learning in the, la- in the last six months for you coming in out of, uh, out of Datacom into, into sport um, that you see can make a significant change to the, to the sport here in Auckland? Oh, look, I think the level of investment um, that sport needs is really important, I think. So we can't, I don't think we can run sport these days um, just through love. And, you know, there is a lot of people that absolutely love the game of rugby league. And, and I think in this environment, you know, that's not going to be... Any- um, and I think, so that's a really, I think that's been quite, you know, that's been a bit of an, um, you know, eye-opener for me. And also, I think, the collaboration. I think we absolutely need to collaborate with all of our stakeholders, our club network, our, um, you know, the NZRL, the Warriors. We all have to come together. I think we need to be united on that. And that's something that I'm really um, focused on. Hey, Bex, well, uh, good to chat this morning. Thanks a lot for coming. I wish you all the luck and uh, you're doing a fantastic job that you get the two people that you're looking for to help you on this journey that you've created. Um, just before I let you go, World Cup's on at the moment. Who you got? Who have I got? The Kiwis, of course. <laughs> of course. Bleed black, Apex. Hey, that's what we wanted. That's what we wanted to hear. Hey, thanks very much for coming on. All the best with the Auckland Rugby League. Thanks for joining us on SCNZ this morning. That's Rebecca Russell, CEO of the Auckland Rugby League. She's done a fantastic job, been in there six months, put a strategy together, got a really big vision for the Auckland Rugby League. And I don't know if you've seen the video, uh, get get on uh, line at the Auckland Rugby League and have a look at it. She's uh, putting a, putting it out there for good people to join the league and take the game forward. Yeah, it's what, that's what the sport needs. They need good people. She's so one funding of the isn't the problem. No. Funding isn't the problem with Auckland Rugby League. Not at all. Um, that's a clear indication there. And, and she gave us a little bit of confidence saying that there is a bit of alignment between them and New Zealand Rugby League. They're having the conversation. She's only been six months in the role, so that gives you a bit of confidence. But I just can't understand. Like, we had the Barter Card Cup. That was an awesome competition, I felt, around the country. That's disappeared. And we haven't had a competition, and she touched on it, hasn't probably been at the forefront of their minds over the last couple of years. That's okay, COVID, but that's gone. That excuse is gone now. So it has to be at the forefront of their minds. Competition, pathways, getting these players an opportunity to make it here, and that will lead into the Warriors. That'll help the Warriors to be able to grow their own. So gave yeah. me some, a little bit of confidence here. Yeah, nice chat, nice chat from Rebecca. Um, and you're dead right, the Warriors play a big part, and if we could all come together... Yeah. Oh, it's really interesting. Like thinking back to the, when we had Steve Lancaster, and and you kind of floated that idea about league and um, union clubs working together, and and that the first priority, or one of the first priorities for NZR, was to get back in the community and get them to apply for these grants, right? Because club land is uh, broken around New Zealand, or well, it's, uh, and it's not just one. It's not just one sport. That's that's the whole thing. And amalgamation and united is definitely the way forward. I. Passionately agree with you on that 100%. front, Kimpy. Um, 
So there's a cash. There is a there's a money's not the issue because we know about the car law part heritage trust heritage trust right. So how do you then pull the trigger at the right point of time with the right methods and strategies to create longevity financially for clubs, which will then cycle through and build the game again and. I guess that's where the two these two directors they're going to hire will probably be. Those are the conversations. It's probably one step away right now. Am I reading that right, Kempi? Well, they're on the journey, and now it's about taking the whole organisation on the journey and putting the right people in the seats. You know how we always talk about seats on buses? Like yeah. We don't want people in the sport, especially on the Auckland Rugby League board, that don't know what they're doing. You know, we don't want to hand over seats to people just because it's their time and they deserve to be sitting there. You actually need a, a, a certain set of skills that you can go in there and deliver on a strategy that will take the game forward, which is always built around clubs and community. What she's saying is, financially, the Auckland Rugby League is in a really good position to do that. What we want are the smart people to help us go along that journey. And, that, and I think, you know... She's leading the way in sport because I see it on many a boards at the moment where you've just got people that are sitting on there to furnish their their governance CVs, you know. And and rugby league has actually picked up quite a lot of those people because they actually want to get onto your board, is he? The New Zealand Rugby Board, and they want to use the pathway which is New Zealand Rugby League. I'm, I look, I I think what she's trying to do is fantastic. Beautiful. Yeah, no, she was a good chat, Kempi. And um, it's a genuine the discussion at the moment is league, so much talent that is getting swooped off overseas and we're unable to keep them here. It's the biggest mystery and it's the mystery that needs to be solved within the Warriors ranks too because we know how much talent they're able to produce, but it's gone. And when it comes over here, oh, it doesn't seem to perform. So it's the biggest mystery. Sleeping giant. Chris says, can't believe it, but I'm with you, Kempi. Kiwi's coach doesn't need to be high-profile, successful kid coach. It's more of a man management role from what I can tell. You're not there to develop players over a season. The players are the elite of the elite. It's a great team culture, and you're away. Yeah, and and I said that to Izzy yesterday. They've got two games a year. You know, then they get a World Cup every four years. You'd, the players aren't going to come in in two games over two weeks, and you're going to teach them everything, are they? No. So you should be able to, to, to manufacture a model which progresses our Kiwi coaches through it. And that way, if we can do that, at least when the NRL are looking at the fifth, 16 franchises, they're actually looking at some Kiwis, not Stephen Price, who's, again, I, I, I don't like using the word furnishing CVs, but Stephen Price has gone up in the estimations of every NRL club and, and his position is picking up an assistant role in the NRL. Why isn't that a Kiwi? Well... Don't have the answer for you. They can be the ones asking the tough questions today. <laughs> Sounds like Daggy should have been playing cricket for the mighty Ohoka Swamp Hens on Saturday with a score like that. Joseph, um, I like that you're promoting your local Joseph, team. But just Joseph, Joseph. Take, take it easy, mate. Boy, Hipper. I never I said know. I was a pro. But I tell you what, I'm competitive and I'll give it a go. Mate, you put, hey? you put yourself out there <laughs> and... All of these people throwing shots. I bet you if we actually nah, ask them. I love it. Yeah, love but it. at the same time, respect you for doing it, Izzy, because you always you put yourself out there, there's a chance that sort of thing happens, and you were there. I told you, Louis. I knew it was... You never heard this one yesterday? I knew it was going to happen. I told, I told Izzy, we actually, had a, we actually had a punt on Friday. Someone actually offered to take me and Izzy on for a little bit of pocket money until I upped the ante. <laughs> and I said, you want to come and play us? Here's what it's going to cost you. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> Didn't know Zaki played golf. 21 minutes fast. Eight o'clock. Oh. Trent. <laughs> Trent. We're going to speak about Zaki and the Cox play. We'll look at the futures market after this with Pitt Morris. 21 minutes past eight here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Radio, it's 26 minutes past eight o'clock. Let's catch up with our pal Pip Morris at TAB. Uh, Pip, it's a very, very big week, and you can go to tab.co.nz, click on the feature races, Australian thoroughbred racing, and you can see the futures for the Cox Plate. Obviously, we're right in the middle of the spring carnival now. Animo 270, Zaki at five bucks. They've got the import for Chris Waller, third on the line of betting, Al Bodigon. At eight bucks, then I'm on Thunderstrike, Mr. Brightside. Do you have a top pick in the Cox Plate pit? Uh, it's exciting, isn't it? I like Mr. Brightside at 13. I just really like his little win, Louis, just the way that he just keeps on treading the line. But it's hard to go past animal, isn't it? But for a roughly, I like, I like Mr. Brightside at 13. Yeah, he's definitely got the kind of scope that he could go to a new peak again. And I guess this cluster of horses, they've all been racing against each other and um, they're all kind of, you can throw a blanket over them most time they finish, but Animo's the one that's been doing enough. Um, and then, of course, the Melbourne Cup's there as well. Duval Legend, Duval Legend, Loft, the Imports, and Durston that won the Caulfield Cup, the $13 fourth favourite. And I'd say you could put a line through it personally. I don't know if that Caulfield Cup's going to be that strong. But that's just me. What else have we got going on today, Pip? I've plenty of sports to look forward to, Louie, and I can tell you for the NFL today, there's been a $1,000 bet on the power play selection. Russell Wilson to have 300 or more passing yards and three or more passing touchdowns at $12. And the punters are really jumping on LA Chargers 1 to 13 and the winning team in margin option, as well as the LA Chargers to cover the four points. And the points start, and you can back into that as well, and you get a bonus back if your team wins, but you get the incorrect margin up to $50. And just quickly, too, for the uh, League World Cup, just with a couple of games being played, uh, tomorrow's game, Tonga versus Papua New Guinea. There's twice as many bets on Papua New Guinea's side of the point start than Tonga. And a lot of punters are backing Papua New Guinea head-to-head, currently at $10. And I just had a look now. Samoa was really popular before that game against England. Since then, in the outright win bet, no one wants them, and people are backing England and New Zealand. Wow. Wow. England and New Zealand, Kimpy. And, yeah, well, Aussie are flying under the radar. They'll be loving that because they are dead set the favourites. Um, yep, they've done, another, they've done another job on the bookies, the Australians. I'd be, I'd be having a, a slight look at, look at them. Um, can, the Kiwis, can the Kiwis do it if the Aussies shut down Joey Manu, is he, you reckon? You reckon they got the firepower? Because you ah. saw what they did to Latrell Mitchell, Sydney City against mm. South in that first game when you kick, when you can shut a fullback down. If you're watching that game yesterday, Melman Ingleby going, man, if I take Joey Manu out of the game, you know, good kicking game, put it in the corners, good kick chase, make him really work hard. Do you think we've got the firepower other than Joey Manu to win it? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. Oh, man, we've got the best spine in, in the comp, well, one of them anyway. And then we've got some finishes, some beautiful centre. And our forward pack, mate, aren't, they're just so powerful, so good. We've got some depth in their forward pack. So, yeah, one man can't win your game, even though Joey Manu's individual brilliance <laughs> against Lebanon was just just separated the, the two teams, set them apart. But, um, no, nah, i got all confidence in, uh, in the team. 
Dylan Brown, I think he's going to get better and better as the competition goes forward and goes on. So um, they'll, teams will look to that and they'll look to shut down Joe Manu. But knowing um, the Kiwis and how much depth we've got, I think they'll they'll plan for that for sure. Nice stuff. Catch the best of live racing. Download the TAB app today. Of course, R18 gamble responsibly, please. And Pip, thank you very, very much. Uh, Brad says, how much did he win off a tissue on the weekend? Well, it's just a sad <laughs> jab. Brad. My brother-in-law. Get off, mate. Get to work. Hey, uh, hey, one thing, Louis. Did you see um, Did you see Dylan Brown throw the ball out on the full yesterday? No. Over the sideline? I'm telling you now, the fields are catching so many teams out. Are they skinny? They're, they're, they're slightly smaller. And the end goals, especially with a kicking game. Yeah, tiny. I just saw that. France are 20 nil up over Greece, and I just saw that before. They just dribbled one in there, and it was like four steps. That's right. And then the guy's being planted into the hoardings at the back of the fence. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah kicking they, game's going to play a big part. Uh, Reid also says, good on you, Izzy. So you're getting a little bit of positive backup Come here. on, horse. Settle <laughs> down, boys. I played in the Taranaki Open and shot 86. Courses set up a lot longer when you were a short hitter, eh, Izzy? <laughs> oh mate, horse, horse, horse. Hey, mate, clear water, a lot of water. Namotu, New Plymouth, you can spray it there. Actually, isn't the last round of the Charles Union Homes Charles Tour at New Plymouth this weekend? Yeah, yeah, they're playing there this weekend. I, think I got offered to go again. At Namotu? At Namotu. Yeah, Namotu, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you'd, it's a good you'd, course. You'd but... slay that course. Yeah, well, if horses going 86, you could at least have 76. Well, I'm going to 71, am I? <laughs> Joey Manu is the Tommy Turbo of 2021. Not a bad comparison. Uh, 29 away from 8. Loveracing.nz, our update after this. And Mark, you're getting your knickers in a twist. Well, we'll straighten you out <laughs> after this. <laughs> SCNZ, 26 and a half away from 9 o'clock. Yeah, well, Deontay Wilder, wasn't he explosive, as was David Nikia in the weekend. So some boxing still. Now Tyson's going to fight Dillian White, I was reading. Gee whiz, it is a circus heavyweight boxing, but I'd rather see them in the ring than not in the ring. So however they're going to get it done. Um, loveracing.nz, your home of everything thoroughbred racing. Right, now there's a couple of messages from Mark here that I was saving for the spot, Mark. I think Opie Bosson was really lucky to just get six weeks. He would have known his horse was running in and made sure he was going to win before he tried to straighten it. Now, this is the sprint race at Hastings in the weekend. He's on time's ticking. And if you have seen the footage, if you haven't seen the footage, um, Mick Mick and Emily had it on weigh-in, and it's actually, there's a stuff article where they've clipped it out and they've got it in there and you can see the head-on footage. So I hadn't seen that until this morning, Mark. So he's been given six weeks. Look, I'm just not an expert on these sort of penalties and suspensions, so I find it really hard. I don't have the database and every suspension and um, stand-down period to line them all up, and each each situation is completely different. Sam Weatherly's been given nine weeks for the incident which caused the tragic passing of Taiki Yanagida. Um, and I think a lot of people thought at first instance that was short. I guess the that was 
I mean, totally two very different situations again. But look, I think it's really interesting on, on Opie's one. If you look at it in isolation, he has got the whip in his right hand, right, and they're coming in towards the post. So it's a left hand track, and he is not necessarily straightening it up because he knows that he's going to win and he's going to the post. But his horse is lugging in, then it half straightens up again, and then it starts to lug down again. And by then he's kind of run out of room. And he's got Lisa Allpress and Faye Lizette's horses on the inside of him, and he's yeah. essentially squeezed Lisa Allpress up, and she's yelling like, ah, because she knows she's got the other one inside it. And then they've both kind of dropped off the back. And, look, both jockeys have come off and hit the ground pretty hard. Um, luckily, no serious injuries as far as I can tell. There was some suspicion of a concussion for Faye, so any head injury, obviously, is quite concerning. And Lisa's hip, she's just had a, operated on last year. And, um, okay, again, I'm kind of reluctant to offer too much strong of opinion on it, Mark, because I'm not a jockey and I don't really know the ins and outs and the intricacies, and they put themselves out there. So the, the cold hard facts, he's been given six weeks. He's not going to appeal it. He's going to cop the ban. Six weeks is a good ban, which tells you that it was a good incident. As When I say good, I mean it's a serious – that's a serious stand-down period. So it was clearly serious enough that that's what they were, they were got, and I'm just grateful that both jockeys are okay. It does look bad to the eye, and as a senior rider, rider like Opie, He's never going out there to try and do that, and he is qualified to be making those split-second calls. But he's obviously admitted that he got it wrong because he's decided not to challenge it. So that's probably a telltale sign that Kempe he's said, okay, well, maybe that is about fair enough. And that's probably my read on it, Mark, without knowing the, the intricacies of being a jockey. And again, just the biggest thing is no severe injuries because it's always ugly when you see someone go down. Yeah, tough, tough little buggers aren't they riding those thousand kilogram horses at such breakneck speeds and um, an incident like that happens you're going to get those incidents in horse racing and how they adjudicate them who knows I've got no idea Um, but to to suspend your your premier jockey um, for six weeks and not to not to challenge it says that uh, he's he's taken it as a guilty verdict and he misses a lot of the best spring carnivals that's right uh, racing like it's going to cost him dearly that's right, and that, I think that's probably a bit of a telltale side, Mark. You said that you thought it was worse than that. Well, yeah, six weeks, eight weeks. Uh, just it's, a, it's a hard one, eh, because it's, it's an animal. It's an animal that wants to, you know, go wherever it wants to go, and, like, the reality is how much control can a jockey have on these animals? Yes, yes they are trained, and they are steered in the way, and then you got to look at deliberate, not deliberate, you know, it obviously was. I watched that front on footage, and it was like going across. And you're talking about the the whips in his right hand. And if you want to turn it, you know, pull its head right, you have to change the whip to your left, and then pull it around with the reins, wouldn't it? So look, it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I'm just happy that no one was seriously injured after what happened to Taiki Yanagita and Sam Weatherly. He is man. It's affected him so much, so much. Is he going to come back and be the same rider, knowing? What went, what went on? He'll be mentally struggling too. So, yeah, it's, it's a hard one, man. They, for us, for all the fun and enjoyment we get, they're risking their life every single time. It's crazy. And there was, and I, yeah, look, there was two other, i tell you, actually, the, the other thing in that instance, go, watching the footage back, uh, I think it was Darren Dennis and someone else. I'm just trying to find who. There was another jockey out the back, uh, uh, Mediema Hudson on Porno Punches, that the evasive action they took 
to get around the jockeys and they both spilled. So no horses hit the deck, but the jockeys kind of took it on themselves and I think they got up and managed to, I'm pretty sure they keep riding that day and it was unbelievable evasive action that no one got badly trampled. Yeah. And that, so, like, I guess the other thing is that they're all colleagues, right? They all want to look after each other and, you know, knowing Opie, he's not like that. It's not... I mean, he obviously wants to win. They all want to win. The margins are so small. Um, so, like, a hell of an effort by the jockeys from behind them to not go over Faye and Lisa. And, again, just super stoked that no one's seriously injured in six weeks. That, that's the verdict. It's the guilty verdict. And he's taken it. He's copped it on the chin. So, one kiss, whether he was going to be riding one kiss or Stella Splendida or Cognito in the 1,000, oh. 2,000 guineas, um, that's, that's how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> That's how the cookie crumbles. Opie Bossin scrubbed out for six weeks, not back to December, which is a long time. I, and the other thing you got to wonder now is Opie, his, his premiership hopes are probably done because the reality is he needed to get a split on the rest of the field. Your Lisa Allpresses, your Michael McNabbs, through this period where there was so much racing and he could be riding good chances week in, week out, that when it gets to winter, start of next year, he, you know because he can't ride that way and he just typically doesn't travel. So that's probably his premiership hopes done, I would suggest, six weeks at this time of year. Um, And that's just how it crumbles. Anyway, loveracing.nz, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Anyone's got any other thoughts, send them through on double eight, double three. After this, we will talk a little bit about Australian racing and my trip to Sydney for the Everest. And I'll explain to you boys a couple of key observations I had. We're away from 9 o'clock, 0800 We've got the Kennards Hire phone line for you to come through. And if anyone wants to come through, was anyone at the Everest? Did I bump into you and spill my drink on you? Um, of course I didn't. But, lads, like you, you have both had huge experience in Australia with your professional playing careers. They just do it differently, don't they? They just have a different culture for sport and racing. 100%. Yeah. So good. Like the, the like the cup, well, I said to Izzy, you know, about going to the cup um, this year, and having a horse in it makes it even more special. But for me, the best sporting event that I've ever been to, and we've been to plenty, is the Melbourne Cup. The, just the, the, the week, and then you get the cup day and the crowd and just the experience of the whole sporting event, because it is a sporting event, is second to none. Oh, we in that mosh pit, Louie? Yeah, peaking duck. Peking duck? Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty <laughs> loose, like... <laughs> I tell you one thing, so we're peaking duck plane afterwards. Yeah. Oh, how good. So Peter Volandi's right. PVL, he's the king. He's the king of Sydney. He runs rugby league, he runs racing. And this race didn't exist a decade ago, right? And what they've done through cash injection and then capturing the young audience, the Gen Z, the vapors, the like that crowd that typically wouldn't be here. So they got the crowd, they got the audience, they captivated them, but then they've managed to attach racing to it to the point now that our esteemed colleague, and he's one of the, I I seriously mean this, he is one of the best broadcasters in the world, Gerald Waitley, he said, I heard him say yesterday on his show at 1117 Melbourne, SEN, that the Everest is now one of the Grand Slam, Golden Slipper, Melbourne Cup, Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate. The Everest now goes on that level. And I completely agree. And I think that was probably the case going into this weekend. But after the weekend, it's undeniable. You can't deny that, I don't think. 
the race and the caliber and the elite level of race that the Everest has become. So then you've got this captivated audience that you've brought here with Peking Duck with a day out at the races and you mix them and introduce them to high level what should be group one level racing. You're growing a game and doing so much for an industry that it is. it honestly felt like this, I said it was like, an energy and a buzz and a freedom and an intensity all just boiled into a racetrack where there's 47,000 people there and it was almost like electric, like it was pal- palpable. Like I've never felt anything like it in any racetrack around the world because it's a new audience that do things differently and they play Sweet Caroline and the whole crowd singing it as the horses are, are out around the, the, the starting gates. What about the, what about the horses having to put up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, they so it, good. They did it after the race last year, and the horses didn't like it because they were coming back through. So they did it. They changed it up. So they yep. so they find a solution. And I just like I've never experienced anything like the. Uh, do you know what I mean by that electricity? It was just like it was vi- it was vibing, Izzy. It was vibing to use that word. It, oh mate, I was watching. I was watching on telly, and they had a drone going on the other side, going past the whole stand, and if, there was not an empty seat in sight. And I was just picturing you up there somewhere in the mosh pit, absolutely running a clinic, and then seeing post it, the celebrations, and just all ages. You know, I even saw, I think, um, the, the Everest Trophy was amongst the crowd and, and, the, and up there having a little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little party. Like, so even the trainers are getting in there. And, mate, it was an awesome event. I just, where do we want the Everest to get to? I think that's the question for you, Louis. Where, where do we want the Everest to get to? It's obviously part of the the Grand Slam now. And we know with Melbourne Cup encourages a lot of overseas horses. Is this more an event for more of our own, the Anzacs? Well, or are we going to encourage overseas horses to come over like they do, the Chase Royal Ascot Sprint and, and things like that? Well, they can try if they want, but they'll never beat the Aussies at sprinting. Mm. We, we had yeah. the best, sprint, okay. best sprinters in the world, and, and this is why they come for the Melbourne Cup, because they've got superior stayers, and they can send a three-year-old down that's had seven starts and go around with 52 kgs on its back and win the Melbourne Cup. And, and you know, the, the, what, this, what it does is it creates an elite level, the world's best sprint race. Next year, get this, $20 million purse. So he's, he's chucking his 25% increase, I'm pretty sure, and the level of sprinter we get is just going to go up and up. I will tell you something that's funny, though. When the Everest was running, the noise when Nature Strip loomed up at the 300-metre mark and at the start of the rise was deafening. Like, every everyone had a ticket landing on Nature Strip, apart yeah. from, a few, like, <laughs> apart from say, 5% of the crack. And then when... <laughs> He got swamped at the 50-metre mark and then looked like Marzu was going to win for a second. It looked like Private Eye was going to win for a second. And then Giga Kick rolls them. It was just like... Silence. <laughs> and then runs, like, looked around <laughs> and then he runs just like, oh, let's just get back on the piss, you know? <laughs> like, it was just like, it was just, it just, it went again. Like, the crowd went again. But it was this moment of like, oh, wow, Nature Strip just got rolled. But it didn't matter. Then the party started again. Then they had the, the, the support card was awesome. And one last thought we talked to last week about the Mel, you know, the traditionalist versus the Everest and what this means for Caulfield Cup. There was 40,000 people on at Caulfield. Then there was 47,000 people at Randwick. 
What I think we realised is now that's just one of the great days of racing. It's not a competition. The sprinters are up in Sydney. The stayers are down in Caulfield. There's 100,000 in Melbourne, is he? Oh. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> you know what it is. You know, you know what the Everest is. It's the hundred meters in the Olympics. Yeah, that's what that's what yeah. the Everest has become. That's yeah. what's the, the golden, yeah. the golden gate of the of the racing card that people want to go to because it's the it's the Fleshy. lightning bolt yeah. of the racing. You know what I mean? So, uh, I yeah. think the slot racing idea out of this world, absolutely out of this world. And if you've got one. The young 28-year-old that paid $35,000 for Giga Kick and hasn't lost the race yet. Played in Douglas, yeah. And and goes around again next year in the same race, mate. How happy would he be? Well, that's another story. He's a freakish trainer. He's on the up. And how's this? Giga Kick wasn't even his third birthday. He wasn't even <laughs> fold down yet. So he, at that time of the year, I think he was, so he's technically two years and 355 days old or something. Yeah. That is crazy. It was awesome. That is crazy. Anyway, that's oh, my, that's my how tales. Good is Aussie racing. How good is Aussie racing? And then the little old liver mole down in down under. Still the group one though, Kempi. Jammy. Jammy. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. I still had all the the, the well, Gen the, Zs and the well, vaping the, and all that sort of stuff and the and the umbrellas. <laughs> it was hey, just in the car park. But the, the Grand Tour <laughs> and look, the Grand Tour. Shout Love Racing. Thought NZ. Mate, I they, understand. They, what put yeah. on a, they put on a really good event and good on you. And it's only going to go strength to strength and strength. And we we won't make the mistake of comparing the two things. But what we will do is we'll support the Grand Tour and hopefully we can we can get to that point. Twenty. What are we? We are six away from nine. We need to head off and catch up with Smithy on the other side. Right, we're coming up to 9 o'clock. Thank you for all your messages. We've got a couple here, Paddy. Uh, we'll get to yours in the morning tomorrow, uh, so we'll get back to that one. Don't worry. But, Smithy, we've got to handball it over to you. And were you a bit concerned watching the Black Caps warm-up game yesterday, mate? Yeah, not happy about that at all. Uh, I mean, there was just not too much to take out of it at all in either as- aspect of it. I mean, if, you, if you'd have made it hard for them to get uh, 98 to 99 runs to win and uh, take them 15, 16 overs, I'd feel more encouraged about the bowling as well. That's just a poor performance all round. Louis, so we'll be talking to Luke Ronke after 11 o'clock this morning um, on that. Uh, we've got uh, Andrew Webster coming up very shortly, of course, incoming Warriors head coach. Um, and we'll be talking to Josh Geary too, so we've got uh, quite a strong show. Yeah, they need to find a kick, and I'm, well, well, actually, they probably need to find two or three lengths, and I don't necessarily know where it comes from, but we'll be watching the Black Caps intently, Smithy, won't we? Mm, we will indeed, mate. Have 100%. a good morning. All right, go well, Kimpy. We'll be back tomorrow. And you'll be back running it straight tomorrow as well. Can't, can't wait. Running it straight. The league show's on tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Aussies in the League World Cup as well. Ah, oh, huge day. See you tomorrow. Wednesday. Let's go. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.